You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Disaster Area Designs. If you've been thinking about maybe taking advantage of some of the MIDI capabilities on your Strymons, your Chase Bliss pedals, maybe you got a dream sequence, who knows what kind of pedals you got that have MIDI capabilities, and myself included, we're not taking full advantage of it. Well, I'm going to get Matt from Disaster Area on the show here pretty soon, but in the meantime, head on over to his website, the link is in the show notes, and check out all the, I mean, they've got a wide array of switchers, true bypass loopers, tap switches, MIDI controllers, just all kinds of different things that uh, really help you get the most out of your rig. In fact, I've been told you won't use your Strymon pedals without it once you've uh, experienced it. So that is pretty interesting to me. So head over to Disaster Area and check them out. Real quick before we get into this episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to somebody who I've talked about in the Facebook group and talked about here and there, who's largely responsible for these episodes being able to come out because my schedule has been crazy and uh, he's been an enormous help and that would be a Mr. Blake Kenny who's uh, taken on the editing duties for the podcast and made my life uh, much easier in that regard. So big shout out to Blake and a quick note on this episode, part of the reason this thing took so long to come out was because the software we used to record had some uh, glitches going on during uh, this particular time when we recorded, and it took Blake a huge long time, not this Blake, Blake Kenny, it took him a huge long time to edit out all these weird echoes, these weird distortion things, background noise, all this horrible, unlistenable garbage that um, he did a really, really good job of cleaning up, And uh, but that is why it took so long, because the editing time... It was hours and hours and hours and hours of cutting out nonsense. So thanks to Blake for allowing this conversation to be heard because it is a really good episode. I think Uh, Michael drags some interesting things out of me or at least random things that I'd forgot about. So um, that said, there is a little bit of this um, high-pitched, glitchy, weird thing that we just could not get out of there without making the rest of it sound just absolutely awful. So that does happen occasionally. Apologies for that. Um, Also, it's very long. So hopefully you guys are prepared for lots of incessant rambling from me. So without further ado, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Tome Mob Podcast. I'm today's host, Mike Adams. You may have heard me before on the show. Uh, But what you haven't heard is the other side of the table, the other side of the conversation, the man, the myth, the legend, Blake Wyland. Today we're going to be putting him in the hot seat instead of uh, having questions lobbed at me. I'm going to be the lobber and he will be the lobby. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to dodge, like, like, like dodgeball. He's going to be throwing them, and I'm going to be like, that question? Ah, miss me with that one. I don't even know what that question yeah. means. Yeah, uh, and, and that, those are the rules for today. You get three vetoes, three passes. Three passes. I ask you a question. You don't want to answer it. You say pass. We never mention it again, although speculation will arise on the internet. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, 
and not, certainly nothing for you to worry about. <laughs> Speculation never runs rampant on the internet. Never, uh, never. But we're going to – yeah, never, ever, ever. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to get uh, – we're going to crack open that skull, peel back the protective membrane, and find out what makes your mind tick. Oh, are you ready? I, 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 are you a licensed surgeon? Am I a licensed surgeon? No. <laughs> Licenses <sighs> are for losers. People with money. They go to their hoity-toity universities and they come out with a piece of paper that says, I can operate. <clears throat> Who needs that? Well, this is true. There's more efficient ways to go about it. I'm a self-taught surgeon myself, so uh, I can relate. Well, all right, Blake. For my first question, uh, what I really want to know is who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah. I, I wondered, like, who do I think I am? I've been asked that before, and it led to a, a street brawl. Um, so, I, oh. yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm so glad I'm not in the same place as you. Yeah, in like, it was like, who do you think you are? And I was like... What do you mean, who do I think I am? Who do you think you are? And then it escalated from there. We won't get into that. But uh, are you, Wait, are you reciting the script from the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie Drive? Or Driven? Which one is it? It's none of your business. I, this happened to me in real life. Not in some Sylvester Stallone movie. Yeah, you're reciting the script from Drive. Great job. I think... No, it's Driven. It is Driven. <gasps> oh, God. Well, the, wow. Wow. Okay, to to sum that up, I think that I am Sylvester Stallone, even though that's not who true. Who doesn't? <laughs> but but seriously, who do you think you are? Like you're running a podcast called The Tone Mob, right? Um, you have put yourself in this position of interviewing uh, the greats, the luminaries, the people who are making the industry work, um, and you've kind of set yourself up. Uh, for this like really wonderful set of opportunities to interview these people, and uh, I don't know what what do you think uh, is it about you that makes you the guy to do this? Who 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 anointed mm. you? Who who put you in this place? Who made you president of Tone? Oh, <laughs> the president of Toneville. Uh, that's really funny. Um, I. <laughs> Uh, I kind of, I guess, put myself here because I, I honestly kind of went, nobody's really doing this. Why is no one doing this? Like talking to these guys, and I like to talk. Like that's like what I do is talk all the time. Yeah. Sometimes incessantly, or often incessantly, or always incessantly. Uh, and <laughs> and so, it, you know, even my family was like, you know, this makes a lot of sense. Like. Of course you would be talking, mm. and of course you would be talking about Guitar Gear. So, you know, why not record it and see what happens? And I was just really lucky that, you know, pretty much everyone that I ever asked to do it was like, sure. I'm like, this is amazing. So, mm. who made me do it? I guess I made me do it, and, I, and everyone yeah. else let me. That's <laughs> everyone else just let you. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. So that's probably the uh, the nutshell version, I guess, of who do I think mm. I am. I'm a guy who talks a lot and really loves Guitar Gear. So I love that you've you've channeled uh, your passion for uh, Guitar Gear and also your passion for. Uh, I guess the best way for me to describe it is connection. When I listen to the podcast, I hear you getting along with people. I hear you reaching out to people, and that's compelling to me because a lot of a lot of gear podcasts or 
you know, even even the things you read from most magazines are just kind of surface level. Pardon me. Um, this is what a pedal does. This is the company. This company started in 2013, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you're really unique in that you you are reaching out to the the people behind the brand or the people behind the product. Um, did you think that this was ever going to be a thing for you? Did you did you set out to have a podcast or did it just kind of come to you and uh, you thought, oh, that's interesting. I'll just do it. What was how intentional was this? It was it was intentional in the way that it was like I I should be doing something related mm-hmm. to this in this world and I don't really know what that is. So I guess I will poke around on the internet. Uh it started with Instagram as many people know because it just made sense. Mm-hmm. It was like I I'll just poke I'll try to get myself in the gear world because I just like it so much. So how can I, you know, yeah. how can I do it? I don't make anything. I don't, you know, build guitars or anything like that, but I just really enjoy it and I enjoy the products and I just thought I got to I got to get in here somehow and see what see what's up. And so I started uh started posting pictures just because I thought, well, what's the easiest thing? Like I like to look at cool pictures of guitars. There's probably other people who like to look at cool pictures of mm-hmm. guitars. I'll start here and see what happens. And then after a while, it, it that community there started to grow and I was like, what else do I like to do? I like to talk. I listen to podcasts all day. Wait, why are there no gear podcast talking to these people like yeah and so i just thought we'll give it a try and uh it uh it seems to have been uh effective i guess i people seem to enjoy it i another thing you know beyond uh, the straight flapping of my gums that i like to do i really do like people i like meeting new Mm. people and uh you know talking to them and listening to them and and it's just a, that's something I like doing in all kind of areas of my life. I like meeting new people. It's really fun. So mm-hmm. kind of what better way than to sit down and talk to somebody for an hour. Hmm. Are there, are there any, um, I would say archetypal examples of what you do that you kind of look to, are there, uh, are there any other podcasts or interviewers that you've, felt inspired or at least uh informed by not really i mean i do listen to a, a lot of podcasts and a lot of interviewers um that's a you know a very traditional format um mm-hmm. i always thought that uh the guys at the nerdist always did really good interviews um yeah like they just they just they sound really natural and i think they are and uh it seems to put people at ease and lets the conversation flow it, Mm-hmm. I, so I'd say that's probably the the person that or the the show that I take the most inspiration from. Um, there's some other guys kind of in the business world that that are good interviewers too, um, like uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, he's pretty good, but he can be kind mm-hmm. of a blowhard. But he's a pretty good interviewer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, there's there's some guys like that that I uh, that I listen to too, but. Probably the Nerdist would be the closest to my style, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And probably the one I take the most inspiration from. Like, keep it light or keep or go a little heavier. Just see where the conversation goes and just, just let it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, obviously they have questions and I have questions. But as you're fully aware, I don't always get to my questions because the conversation leads elsewhere. So that's where I let sure it go. Sure does. 
And uh, yeah, that's that. What uh, and what kind of preparation do you do? Uh, what you said you have questions. Uh, do you do research? Do you uh, do you kind of uh, just think of well, what would be the most fun thing to say to this person? What is what's your process? It's that's usually it. Like I have the if I know nothing ab- about it or or people don't know anything, it's a like a new company one man shop type thing. I have you know the classic like. Tell me about your musical backstory, how to get you to, you know, where you are and and that kind of thing. Sometimes I'll pick people's brains about their design process or it really, really varies. But um, I, in the in the beginning, I had a, a firmer set of questions that I would try to get to and try to make a point to get to. But I don't really worry about that anymore. As long as we get to know the person and they get to say mm-hmm. whatever it is that they really wanted to come on the podcast to say, then, then I consider the the job well done at that point. So that's great. In a nutshell, it's loosely formatted. We'll put it that way. And prep work, mm. not not much prep work. In fact, if I don't know that much about somebody, um, even if it's somebody well known, I will try to not research them because the conversation actually flows better. I find when I'm genuinely finding out for the first time what this person's story is. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. That actually kind of saves you from answering questions for people. If you if you go and look at someone's Wikipedia page and you're like, oh, you grew up in North Carolina. Uh, I don't know. It's almost like you're sucking away some of their story instead of letting them tell it. So I really, I really appreciate that about you and the way that you allow conversations to kind of just bloom. So that's been really a, that's been a really big help for me. Uh, as I've been learning to interview, learning to, uh, you know, write compelling articles about people, that kind of thing. So yeah, dude, I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's fantastic. Nice. nice. I mean, good answer. Thank you. Uh, by the same token, I try not to go in and be like, you know, Oh, you do what again? You know, I do want to know something, you know, like, (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're Robert Keeley and you made a compressor or something once. Like, isn't that right? I, I don't want to be that guy either. So I do want to, you know, I try to look into what they're doing, but not necessarily um, where they came from or, or you know, too much mm. if I don't already know that. So, yeah. I try not to be completely now, clueless. <laughs> hmm. Now, earlier you said that you you just like people. You just like talking to people. Was this was this a thing that appeared early on uh for you? Uh were you a pretty talkative, outgoing kid? Were you uh reserved, quiet? What what's the no. what's the story of young Blake? <laughs> I was not at all quiet or reserved. Uh I was loud and I talked a lot to anyone that would listen. Um <laughs> uh, or at least pretended to listen. Or if there was no one to talk to I would talk to something, um, <laughs> whether it was my mm. bear or my made-up pet mouse that didn't exist. Or what was your bear's name? I had lots of bears. It could have been any of bear. Uh, Which bears? What bears did you have? I, well, like teddy bears. I had a I had a brown one. I'm trying to remember what the tag. It had a tag on it, and so I just used whatever brand name of the bear was for the bear's name. <laughs> I, th- I think it was Gund. G-U-N-D. And it was just this brown, standard brown teddy bear. And I called it Gund because it had a, that's what it said on the tag. That must be his name. Mm. Um, I had a, I had a, I had a, uh, 
the one that I actually like was like my my like favorite stuffed animal as a kid was I called it Puppy Puppy, and uh, it Aww. it was my little ragged puppy that I took all over the place when I was like super young. Uh, that was my favorite, so I probably talked to that one a lot. I mm. uh, it's kind of bringing back some stuff now. I'm remembering like you. I'm sure you'll remember this when the they came out with the Talk Boys from Home Alone. Oh my gosh! Yes. Mm-hmm. I totally would sit down and 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 record myself talking into it and like make up stories or make up fake fake talk shows with my friends and like they'd be all these dumb stories and things that happened and I forgot that we did that but yeah we totally wow. made these weird little talk shows so the the podcast thing uh coming forward is really just a natural extension of uh your play as a child that's really interesting man i didn't really wow. i i kind of forgot that i used to do that until we started talking about what i did as a kid and then it was like wait a second i used to talk into that talk boy all the time so <sighs> so you and did also, these like mock radio plays yeah exactly or we'd come up with some idiotic you know storyline of you know my friends and I, and then we'd get into a quote unquote fight and it would like, no, don't hit me with that baseball bat. Ah, type of thing. Yeah. So it was, a, uh, it was really stupid, but it was really fun. So that's really amazing. That brings back memories for me too, uh, <laughs> of similar things like recording intros to our favorite, uh, Nickelodeon shows yes. or, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my neighbor, Brian, when I was a kid used to come over and, uh, we get in trouble and then use a tape recorder to, to uh, record my mom yelling at us <laughs> because we thought it was hilarious and we would go back and speed it up. Yes, of later course. You and uh, oh God, we would just giggle the whole night drinking Cokes and eating candy and then just listen to Mom, Michael, Mom! <laughs> screaming in, in a high pitched voice. Oh, <sighs> that's that's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's really incredible, man. Like that's. That's pretty huge that you were able to take something that that was part of your formational years, like your foundational years, uh, and you've you've done something with it as an adult. Like you you haven't denied that joy from yourself. You haven't like let go of it. Like so many of us get older and we look for a career or we look for something to do to make money. Um, and I'm not saying you haven't done that as well, because you know we're all we're all having that struggle. Uh, but you, you have kind of held on to something, uh, that it seems pretty important from your childhood and you've done something with it. And that's, that's really commendable. That's beautiful, man. Well, yeah, thank you. And I, I mean, it's kind of nice talk. Like you said, when, when you have these conversations, sometimes it brings these things out because I honestly had kind of forgotten about that. Um, like mm-hmm. I remembered I had a talk boy, but I don't, didn't remember, didn't really put much thought into what we used to do with it. But I mean, this was yeah. a. For, you know, a good, you know, probably four years, this was like a constant thing um, hmm. where and sometimes I would do it by myself, too. Um, and then I would be the only one listening back or I would force my mom to and she would be like, uh-huh. Yes, that's sweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As any good parent would. Right. Uh, and I've now, thank you, mom. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for doing that. But um, yeah, it's a, it's something I didn't really think about. So thank you for making me oh. remember. Oh, well, you're welcome. That's that's what I do. I'm in the business of memories. Um, what what else did you do as a kid? Uh, 
you you so you talked into a talk boy with your buddies, made little mock radio plays. What else was Young Blake all about? Um, well, definitely was always into like uh books. I read a lot of books. Um, mostly like horror fiction stuff, and that still uh, is an interest to me. Uh, currently, goosebumps. Are we talking goosebumps. Oh yeah, talking... goosebumps. I had all oh. the goosebumps, all of them. Oh yeah, yeah. And quick take. What was your fave? Ooh, hmm. That's a tough one. Um, I really enjoyed uh the classic Night of the Living Dummy, and I actually had a ventriloquist dummy for a while. Uh, creeped the pants off of me, dude. <laughs> My cousin had a ventriloquist dummy. I did not go near that thing. I still have it, actually, now that I think about it. Oh. Yeah, where is it? Oh. It's in the attic somewhere, I think. But I still, I'm pretty sure I still have it. I gotta Leave it, it there. Lock the door. <laughs> don't look for it. It will kill you. No, no, we were tight. Oh, you guys were tight? Yeah, we were tight. Yeah. That's what you think. That's how dummies work. You think you're tight, and then murdered by a knife. Mur- well, that's true. Um... In the hand of a dummy. Uh, I don't really want to be more specific about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or the dummy had me murdered. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Or you were just murdered randomly and the dummy was locked upstairs in the attic because he should be and he couldn't do anything to save you. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he would he would have been able to rescue me. Sorry, Charlie. That's the twist. That's the Shyamalan twist on that. (laughs) On that is that the, the, the night of the evil living dummy. Actually, was an okay dummy. He was, he was okay. He, he was, was totally. Tight. He yeah. loved you. Yeah, he was a great dummy. He loved you, and you locked him away because he's creepy, and he knows he's creepy. But he didn't. I was never know. creeped out by it, ever. Ow. Yeah, <sighs> lots of people were. Like people, would, <sighs> guys would come over and be like, "Dude, can you like turn that thing around? Like it's creeping me." Oh uh, yeah, firmly in the lots category over here. <laughs> firmly in the lots category. No thanks, buddy. Uh, so yeah, that was something I had. Uh, I, I I always wanted to play guitar. Because my dad played guitar, so that was another like interest of mine. Um, uh, I had like a little ukulele that I didn't, I I just hit. I didn't play it. I just hit it, you know. <laughs> uh, but so I was always super interested, and in, and in, uh, you know, I'd see you know live music occasionally, and it really, it just intrigued me that people were able to do that. Like, whoa, people like it's not just coming out of the radio by some magical celebrity. People actually can <laughs> make music, you know. Wow. So. Yeah, was was your dad uh, was your dad an active player? Did he have a band or anything, or did he just play at home for? for he just kicks? played at home for the, for kicks for the most part. Uh, he he did play in a few bands off and on, um, but for the most part, he just liked to. He just that was like something he and he still continues to mm. do. Uh, just like now, he's actually like pursuing some songwriting stuff, which is awesome. Good, to, yeah, awesome to me, and uh, they're they're really good, and. Uh, I'm uh so yeah he he was mostly a home acoustic player and that still still is the case but uh he he really enjoys it and likes guitars and so that was a big part of my fascination with guitar I believe. Hmm. I imagine having a guitar playing going on in the house when you were growing up uh kind of set the tone uh for you in a lot of ways. I think so. Uh it just like and it was always also like Hey, can I can I play that? No, you can't play it. You don't know how to play it. You're, you know, you're seven, and this is this is expensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to wait till I was older to actually get my hands on it, to where he knew I wasn't going to destroy it. Uh, basically, how old was that? Um, 
probably like 12, somewhere in there. Oh. 10, 10. I, I, I played piano for a while. I think we talked about this on an episode mm-hmm. with you. But um, I played piano for a good while. And then my my piano instructor, I kept trying to bring her these like rock songs to play on the piano that weren't piano-based rock songs. And she was finally like, well, you know, perhaps you should learn to play guitar. Because you keep planning to play, uh, you know, guitar-based music. And I was like, hmm, it's a good point. And uh, <laughs> we wrangled uh, this uh, this old uh, 70s, like, Takamini um, that was in the family that wasn't being used. And I, I kind of started on that. It was actually a really nice guitar. Um, so... Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I, I. I didn't maybe start playing my dad's guitars on the semi regular until recently because I pretty much had my own for most of the time I was learning, mm. or one that was considered to be mine to learn on. I guess. Mm. And when you started playing guitar, was it about um, you know learning learn just whatever great rock songs you liked, or did you have did you have other aspirations? Did you want to be a like a session musician, did you want to tour? Did you want to wear all black clothing and spiked belts and you know be in Green Day <laughs> or you know what 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 did, what were you thinking when you picked up a guitar? What did you want to do with it? I just wanted I just wanted to make music. Um, I kind of knew like I always thought like going on tour might be fun, but I I knew from like a like early teenage life like or early teenage years that that lifestyle was was not for me at all mm. like like that is just it's cool and i'm and i'm glad that so glad for the many many touring musicians that do do that because then i get to go see them um mm. but i just knew that lifestyle was was never going to be for me um i just wanted to make music that was it's kind of general mm. but that's that's the truth like i just wanted to uh, uh just create things and have an outlet for things and that was that was really the big push mm. Whether you know whether anybody listened to it or not, if it's, it's, it can just be for me. That's fine, you know. That's a that's a really uh, wonderfully kind of mature stance on the thing. I mean, so many of us enter the guitar world, uh, you know, with dreams of being rich or famous or you know adulation or the attention of uh, the opposite sex, that kind of thing, and so. Uh, yeah, I really, I really like hearing when people can point at music uh, being its own reward. Uh, that's really exciting. Um, I wanted to know how, as a father yourself, are you planning on passing on the music torch? Are you, are you uh, making strides in uh, hopefully a burgeoning interest uh, I, on the part of your child? I, I don't want to force him into anything uh, that he doesn't want to do because that was never done to me. Um, and I've mm-hmm. seen it done to other people and it doesn't look fun. Um, no. that, that said, it's like, well, he already has an amplifier named after him and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and, uh, he, he likes to come out into the, the shred shed, like while mom's like a uh, cooking dinner or something. And he, he loves, mm. I mean, this may be something in his genes. He loves tweaking knobs on pedals. Um, oh. Like he'll be down. You got a little Nick Reinhardt over there. <laughs> he'll be yeah. He'll be down there. Like I'll be playing, and he'll be down. Literally, like he's he's really little. He doesn't really know what he's doing. But um, I think he's mm-hmm. like fifteen months at this point. Um, but he's oh, congrats. Thank you. 
thank you. He's on. He's I. I love him so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he'll he'll go in there while I'm while I'm playing and uh, and he'll just be down there and he one time he'll he'll always tweak things and you know it'll go muddy, bright, muddy, bright, loud. And then oh. he when he found a volume knob for the first time, <laughs> he turned it up really far and it was like whoa, what's that? And he just looked up at me and was like, Dad, like something's happening i don't know what this is but something's happening you know uh so it's it's kind of fun uh i think i can't get over i can't get over <laughs> using the terms muddy and bright i can't get over that oh well, <laughs> i mean that's what you he's doing gear he's like page junior starting over there little gear page yeah He's well. That's what he's doing. He's down there. He'll, he'll like grab the tone knob on an overdrive or something. And he'll just keep tweaking it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth while I'm like strumming. And so that's what it does. It's like wowie, wowie, you know. Uh, it's great. Hmm. But so that's and he, you know, he has a guitar or he has a couple of guitars already. Like his grandpa, uh, my dad, and mom mm-hmm. bought him a a uh, Les Paul Jr. an Epiphone Les Paul Jr. and um nice it's uh way too big for him but it looks as <laughs> as close to dad's as like a beginner, beginner guitar like that can so that was part That's of the fantastic. motivation too i th- he's he seems to be interested he always wants to strum the strings you know i could be projecting this on him but i ho- i hope that he has a, a genuine <laughs> interest in music when he grows up yeah What's that like, man? Uh, it kind of following in your own father's footsteps of uh, the gift of music, as far as that goes. Um, you're you're in that position now. Yeah, I I just hope that uh, as anybody does, I just hope I can be a good example. Whether it's <laughs> getting him into music or anything else, I just I hope that uh, I hope I hope he can get into music, and I hope it brings him as much uh, joy as it has brought me. Um, hmm. and, and the rest of my family too, that my whole family really likes music, whether they play or not, they, they have a genuine appreciation for it. And so that, that was a, probably a big part of my formation too, I suppose. Hmm. How has, uh, having a child changed things for you? I want to know everybody who's a parent talks about this, um, and I love hearing about it because it seems to, uh, what's the word I want to use, uh, whittle away at a person, gets them uh, more to the core of, of who they are. Um, whether or not that's true for everybody, I'm not sure. But, you know, it, uh, it refines a person. And uh, how, how has that had an effect on you? Well, it's... Um the thing I usually tell people is like everything that you hear that sounds super cliche, uh, ends up being true. So like when people (laughs) ask you these things, you like, you try to be, you know, interesting and come up with some new mind blowing revelation about having children. And it's like, um, no, that all that stuff that you hear about it being amazing and they're the greatest thing ever. Uh, that's, it's totally true. Uh, and this is coming from a person who was just like, you know, kids are cool, but you know, yeah, that's, you know, it wasn't like a, hmm. it wasn't something that I just, like, I'm going to be the world's greatest dad. It was like, I think it's time hmm. to have kids. And then when you, when you had him, it was like, oh, this is the best. This is literally the best thing ever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
there's there's nothing that will like warm you up inside more than um you know having like your child show you affection it's like mm. it's like the gr- it is there's nothing else like it for a big a hug it takes on a whole new meaning mm. did you ever think you'd get there um I wasn't I wasn't sure. Like I said, like some people are very kid people. I wasn't a kid person. I yeah. like I liked kids. Um I had a blast with kids. Um but I didn't know what it would be like and it's it's better than I ever expected. I can put it that way. So. Hmm. Uh how, how did you meet your wife? Um my wife, so I was friends with her brother growing up. That's probably how I kind of got to know her like first. Hmm. And then it just kind of evolved. <laughs> I stopped being a sissy and I finally asked her to date me. <laughs> <laughs> After like a year of probably knowing that we liked each other. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Or maybe not that long. Maybe it just felt like that long. But it was quite some time before I just stopped being a wimp. Hmm. Uh, you said you were friends with her brother. Was this, was this growing up? As kids, or was this just uh, you know later in life? What's the? Oh yeah, gro- yeah, growing up as like teenagers and stuff. Yeah. Well, so you knew that you liked each other for a year. I don't know if it was actually that long. Maybe I'm just making that up in my head. But it, I, it was some time. Uh, <laughs> it it probably wasn't actually a year. Maybe it just felt like a year. Which, as a teenager, that could have been a week. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I really don't know the exact time frame, but it was a while. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and how long have you been married? Um, eight years. Yes. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Wow. You have any advice for people who, uh, you know, maybe haven't been married as long as you? I know we're only at like uh, six. So oh, we got oh, a lot to learn. You can look oh, up to you guys. man. Uh, <laughs> I am the last person on the face of the planet that should be dispensing marriage advice. That's for sure. My wife can fantastic. My wife can uh, fully attest to that. But I think the most important thing, I guess, is just to uh, have respect for each other. That would probably yes. be el numero uno. Um, that would that that. I guess that's the best. De- de- <laughs> I did not expect to go here. That's probably the best I can do in the advice department. I just thought I'd ask. Okay. You know, wanted a little, want a little help <laughs> on that front. You know, mm-hmm. I think I'm okay at marriage, but I could always get better. That's uh, that's the story yeah. of uh, that's how it. Yeah, it, it, that's another thing. You could always get, you can always be better for each other. Uh, you can always be better. So. Uh, what is what is your wife? Uh, does your wife have a? a Vocation, career. Uh, she's a mama. She's a mom? Yep. Which is a valid career and, and she vocation. she always wanted to be. So that, that I'm, I'm glad. Wow, that. that's great. Yes, it really is. It's actually amazing. Hmm. It really is. It, uh, that, that is a huge, that's um, a huge, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, it's, it's just really, it's just really awesome. <laughs> End of the story. Hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's a great place for an interview to go. Uh, <laughs> End of story. That's all I got to say about that. Pretty much. Um, well, that's great. 
Uh, what's what's your wife's name? I don't know her name. Oh, her name's Lynn. <laughs> Lynn. Yes. Uh, true story. That is my dad's middle name. Interesting. Interesting. There's lots mm-hmm. of Lynns. Uh, I've I've seen male and female, and it's like, hmm. It's uh, it's one of those names to that to me that just it it can go either way, and it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Jesse. Like it can be fine either Jesse. way. Jesse. Could could mean a guy named Jesse, or could be the uh, lady cowboy from Toy Story. <laughs> exactly. Uh, could be. Uh, I'm having trouble coming up with a third, but it could be anything else. It, I, well, it could be a guy, Bam. a guy cowboy who robs trains. Well, I don't. No, I want to get too specific over okay. here. <laughs> uh, what? So it can be it can be a guy cowboy, but he has to rob trains. Well, like I guess he doesn't ha- have to rob trains. He <laughs> could be Uncle Jesse from uh, Dukes of Hazard. Oh. I guess he could be that guy. Mm. Or I mean, you just skipped over Uncle Jesse from Full House. I don't know how you managed that. Well, no, I didn't. Sk- I didn't skip. I I was going in chronological order here. We start with Jesse James, Where? and in the order of important Jessies, I think it goes, you know, Jesse James, and we got Uncle Jesse, and then we got Uncle Jesse. For a minute, I thought you were gonna you were gonna talk shade on uh, Uncle Jesse from Full House, and I was gonna, I was gonna oh. brandish my fists at you. Never. I would never. I would never. <laughs> ever. Have anything bad to say about John Stamos, guys? He's he's oh, a, good. He's a beautiful man. He is well. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> gorgeous. In fact, um, too good looking to live. Some would argue. Um, that's what my dummy would say. Nor there. Would you say? That's what my dummy would say. Oh, please don't bring your dummy up again, dude. <laughs> oh, I can't even. Can't even. I'm having terror-filled visions. Especially the Goosebumps movie had to center itself around the dummy, and that was especially difficult for me. As much as I like Jack Black, you know, the, the dummy was a little out there. <laughs> he was he he was creepy. Mm. Yeah, he was gonna he was gonna get Mike. Super creepy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well let's 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 come let's come a little bit forward in your life. Okay. So you or backward, you know, we can go either way. This is a little loosey goosey. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I, I really I, like I wanted this goosey. to be hard hitting, uh, and I feel like I'm not hitting hard. Oh, don't I mean? hit me too hard. I'm a softie. Um, <laughs> that was a very good joke. That was humorous. Oh, for, for all those that wasn't that weren't aware, I was attempting humor. Uh, oh golly, that oh, right in the funny bone, tickled me something fierce. Um. <laughs> So we found out who you think you are. Um, I wanted to ask you, because your, po- your podcast is called The Tone Mob, what, what does tone even mean? That word has no meaning to me. Can you please help me? Um, good point. Um, I mean, that's, this has been addressed <laughs> in other things before where it really should be sounds uh, instead of tone, because that's what we're really doing. We're not creating tone. We're creating sounds. But I think it's well, just... Well, it can't be-, be called a sound mob podcast, No, that right? would just... That, sa- would- that would sound dumb. I mean... Some might argue that the whole mob aspect is dumb, but it was something I came up with that I thought was cool. So whatever. I like gangster movies. Leave me alone. Uh, You're not looking to incite a a riot of uh, guitar aficionado, are you? I No, no. I don't know about that 
Wait, are we talking about the magazine? So. Oh, that's right. There's a magazine called that. Yeah, and it's a little weird. It's like, here's a $14 billion guitar. Look at it. Yeah, and then and then humidors that also cost that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I no, don't yeah, know. I, don't, I don't know. It's kind of like, cool, I, don't, but... I don't mean to disparage anybody, but I do not get that magazine at all. I don't understand it one bit. <laughs> I haven't really looked at it enough to know. I've just thumbed through it at an airport on occasion. Exactly. That's the only place I've ever seen that for sale <laughs> is the airport. Oh, good point. That is the only place I've ever seen it for sale. Yeah. Weird. There's something weird. worth investigating here. Okay. Um. Anyway, I forgot what the question was. Uh, what does tone mean? I think. Yeah. Well, what I think it's tone? really just become a uh, part of the vernacular of the gear world to just, and we all mm. kind of know instinctively what that means. Like, man, he has he that guy's got good tone. Uh, like we know what that means. Mm. Uh, it means his his guitar sounds really good. I think it's just more of a, it's almost kind of taking the word tone and kind of like slanging it a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's not Mm -hmm. accurate, but that's kind of how I view it. And I like saying the word tone. It's a nice sounding word. Hmm. Now I, I kind of view the word as a catch all, um, these days. I, I don't think that the word actually has a definable characteristic or, or an identifiable, uh, you know, set of rules uh, which is good, but at the same time, uh, it, it kind of makes for murky waters when you're discussing uh, the the somewhat silly concept of good tone. Like what when you think of good tone, when you think of like a compelling guitar sound, what is it that comes to mind? Like what does that mean to you? Because it means something different to everybody. Uh, are you looking for like specific uh, examples, or more just like what I do with it, or what are you thinking? You know, specific examples are great, uh, but I do, I do want to know what you would do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, so for specific examples is like, so I've kind of talked about this uh, quite a bit lately, uh, even on the last episode. Um, but like, I've always really liked uh, uh, Social Distortion's guitar sound as far as like just straight up nice. rock and roll guitar tone, you know? Um, and uh, so that, that was always one that I really liked. I also, as you kind of remember, I kind of came up in that early 2000s kind of hardcore metalcore revival. And mm-hmm. while I, I wouldn't say that I just super admire any of those, those bands' actual tone per se, um, these days anyway, it did kind of set, you know, set me down the path of like, how, how are they getting their guitars to sound so mean? Like, why can't I get mm. my guitar to sound mean like that? Um, and and uh, so that kind of led that process a little bit because I knew nothing about it. Like I, you know, I, when I first learned guitar, I was just like, okay, uh, here's how you play. I learned how to play like "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on an acoustic guitar. Um, obviously, it didn't sound right to me. I was like, why doesn't it sound like like his sound? Well, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I didn't know hmm. what a signal chain was. I didn't know that. Oh, you need an amp that's distorting. I mean. <laughs> I asked some really dumb questions at, at times. It was a, I did not just wake up one day and go, Ooh, this is how it all works. Um, so mm. like kind of like the punk and, and, and alternative bands, it, I just wanted to know how they were getting their sounds. And it wasn't until later that I figured out what they were actually doing. Um, so yeah, some mm. social D is the most prominent example. Thrice, uh, 
didn't have the greatest tone mm-hmm. early on, but like obviously now and and a few albums back, they started getting some really interesting sounds. And of course, I wanted to know how they were doing that too. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I really like. Uh, I also really like the you know country guitar, like traditional country guitar, because I kind of grew up with that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was always like, how okay, what's that sound? And how come I don't sound like that? That was kind of the uh, the anchoring point. Like, I don't sound anything like that. Well, that's because you're playing a Les Paul and they're playing a Telecaster, first of all. Mm. So that would probably be uh, a few examples. It's more of just, for me, it's usually like I hear something and then I try to figure out how to replicate it best I can. Hmm. And then, like with the band, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with a song and then I go, okay, how am I going to fit into this mix? Or, you know, okay, you're doing mm. that. I guess I will do this. It may not even sound that good by itself, but it kind of fits in with the rest of the band. That's always mm. how I try to approach from a creation standpoint. Like, like is it working with the song, uh, whatever sound I'm, I'm yeah. making? And that's the most important part of the, the procedure. Uh, some of my favorite recorded sounds are probably not great on their own. Like you mentioned, it's how it fits with everything else going on that really makes a tone uh, viable and, mm-hmm. uh, and worthy. Um, I wanted to ask you, this may be a difficult question, if you could boil it down to one, one part of your chain, one part of what you do, because I, I think you're a very good guitar player. I have your record. I love it. I think you're, you're killing it, and all the sounds on that record are super appropriate for what you're doing. Like they are great sounds. When you when you look at your sound, what what is it that you look to like what's the most important element? Okay. It could be a guitar or a pedal or a cable or I don't know, whatever. Okay. But what do you what do you think is the single most important piece of your signal chain? Well I should preface all this by saying that the the things that are actually like uh maybe somewhat more technical guitar on the album uh, w- w- was probably not me. <laughs> mm. I had, I had one solo and a few small, like little lead parts, but uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm, uh, hmm, I'm not sure what my place in the band is. I mean, there's there, Jess, I, I believe you met him. He's, he's kind of yeah. our point man for leads for the most part. Um, Leon, who you know, uh, you have his pedal. Oh yeah, uh, he he is very much. He plays much more interesting chords than I do. Um, I'm just like very straight ahead with my chords. Um, he'll f- kind of play different inversions and kind of weird things. I think I'm probably the guy that I probably do more texture and more like in your face uh, power chord action. <laughs> That's probably mm-hmm. yeah. what I what I do. Uh, it's, uh, it's more direct, um, when I'm playing, I'm not, I'm not quite so subtle or skilled. Um, <laughs> well, don't think I can't pick that out. I mean, I grew up playing punk back in the day. So I, please, I know, I know who the fifth chords are coming from. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, as yeah. far as like, if we're talking a specific, so we, we change guitars like constantly. Like, I'm like, okay, you're playing mm-hmm. a Telecaster? That means I'm going to play the Les Paul. Oh, you're going to play a... And vice versa. Like, what do you pl- what do you think you're going to play on that song? I'm going to play this with these pedals and this amp. That was very conscious. Uh, 
on the guitar recording side of being different than the other guy. Mm-hmm. And so my my uh guitars were are different on pretty much every song. Um I I would say the the one defining characteristic for me on that on that album was I mostly use my Benson Monarch. And I think mm. as much as I love guitars and uh in all their glory, I I really do think that if you can only spend your money on one place, having a good solid amp is the most important thing. That's that's my mm-hmm. my general consensus. Because if you have a amazing guitar plugged into a, a eh amp, it's gonna sound eh. Uh, if you mm. have a okay guitar in an amazing amp, it's probably gonna sound pretty good. So, mm. uh, yeah, I try to I try to have a solid amp. But it doesn't, and that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be expensive. It just it, you just need a good sounding amp, and I think that's the base of your sound. Sure, sure. I've always, uh, I've always appreciated musicians that think uh, about their gear choices the way that you just described in the studio. I remember reading an interview with Mike Campbell back, had to be the late '90s, where someone was asking about the the Heartbreakers recording. Uh, techniques and he he said he said as much as you did where if uh you know if tom petty were playing uh, a bright guitar into a dark amp he would always go the opposite direction he'd play a dark guitar into a bright amp he would play like a gibson les paul into like a a super tiny uh fender like tweed champ or something something that's going to accentuate those high notes so i really appreciate when people put that kind of thought in, because so many records uh, can just get boring. If you're not changing guitars, if you're not thinking about the sonic spectrum, uh, the way that you just described, you, you have, you run a high chance of making your record feel samey and making everything feel like the same song, just, you know, repeated nine times. So is that, was that always a thing that you did or was that a relatively recent well, that was, I mean, that was the most, we've done recording in the past, but that really was my first, like, okay, we're going to make a real record, like, that we, that we actually really worked hard on and, and, uh, and practice for, you know, uh, as much as we could. I wish we could play more often, but we just don't get the opportunity, but we worked on it solidly for, for quite a while, and it was a very conscious effort, like, you know, we all took off work. To, to go in the studio for five days and record it. And we had a set date and we're like, we got to have, you know, we got to have our songs done. So it was the first actual serious attempt. And there again, it wasn't really for any other reason than for us to be able to have a record that we were, that we were happy with. Um, we're not touring with it or anything like that. It's just, it's just there for people to listen to if they would like to. Um, and, uh, but it was, it was, I would say on, honest first like serious go around at the the whole process um and uh so no to answer the question no one never did really think about it that way before um but it was also probably the first time of recording where because i I have done several recording projects but it's the first time of recording where i really kind of understood the the building blocks of trying to create a sound with guitar um in a you know solidly grasped way um so yeah it's a uh, I, I we'd actually do something kind of interesting where 
because we're all gearheads and, and tone hounds, all, at least all the guitar players, we would actually sometimes set up each other's rigs. We'd be like, okay, come on in oh. here. I, I, need a, uh, I need a tone consultation. How's this sound? And like the other guy would get down and swap pedals in and out or, or adjust the settings on the pedals while the other guy played until it, it fit more what the other guy thought it should sound like rather than the guy playing the guitar himself. We did that quite a lot, actually. <sighs> That's very interesting. Handing off the reins to someone else. Yeah, it was like, okay, you're playing that guitar, that amp. Mm, maybe we want to try this pedal in here instead. And uh, we're going to, you know, let me tweak on it for a little bit while you wow. play the riff. And that was, and we didn't do that on purpose at first. We just, maybe somebody, I don't remember who the first person was to do it, but like somebody was like, I can't, this isn't quite jiving the way I want it to. Come in here and, 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 and tell me what you think. And then it became something that we did on on many of the tracks. So it was mm. it's really fun actually to tweak somebody else's guitar tone. <laughs> That's genius. That's absolutely genius. Um, I'm sure that opens up a lot of doors that you wouldn't have opened on your own, uh, or ideas that you just would never have come up with, um, or settings you would probably avoid generally that all of a sudden worked because someone else ch- tweaked the knobs for you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Is there switching gears a little bit? Is there a piece of gear that you just don't get? A piece of gear that you I just don't don't understand? understand the appeal of. Um. Yeah, there's a few things that kind of tick that box for me. I I don't I don't really get. I shouldn't say I don't get it. It's just not for me. I don't really dig, um, quote unquote metal guitars, and I don't mean aluminum <laughs> guitars. I I think <laughs> aluminum guitars are cool. Um. But the traditional pointy guitar has limited appeal to me beyond uh, being kind of ironic. Um, uh, And this, I mean, this sounds so hipster and stupid of me. I can't even believe it. (laughs) But it just, it, it, it seems to be like, you need this to play this music. And I've found that I can get very, quote unquote, brutal and metal tones out of very unmetal setups. Um... So I don't, I, so that, I don't just don't get those. And I, I, and that people make them work. Like, I'm not saying there's lots of guys that have really good, uh, really good sounds that kind of play traditional metal rigs. Um, I like this hardcore band, uh, Cancer Bats and, oh yeah. Yeah. They, they have great full thick sustainy, you know, guitar sounds. And last time I looked at their rig, which was several years ago, it was a very classic, you know, EMGs into a diesel or something. It may have changed, but that's what I remember seeing now. And hmm. that's just not my jam, but I think they sound great. I also think you can get you can get similar or even in my uh estimation somewhat better sounds using more m- passive pickups. You know, I I think passive pickups just they they work better dynamically for me. Um I understand mm-hmm. there again. I understand the appeal. It's just, in my opinion, I don't need them to get super brutal if I want to. Hmm. So you prefer you prefer to take a less beaten path um, when it comes to finding those sounds. Um, Not all the time. I mean, well, I think you if you're going to play some some sweet country licks, you kind of need a telly in my you know sure, but. For for heavy music, yeah, I kind of like 
for heavy music, I like playing my Rickenbacker 360. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, it just sounds right to me. It sounds better. Like, I think it sounds okay clean. Um, and maybe it's there's something wrong with my guitar. I don't know. <laughs> but I think it sounds okay, <laughs> okay clean. Uh, but it sounds great with a ton of fuzz and a ton of distortion. Um, I, wow. I think we need we need a, a video of you covering Thunder Horse with that guitar. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to have trouble believing you getting brutal tones out of your Rick. But uh, I, for one, love having my preconceived notions challenged. All right. I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. It. I don't know if I can play that song exactly, but I can at least. Oh, well, we'll pick something heavy. Go for it. All right. I can do that. Actually, Show you us know, what you're made of. There's probably some clips floating around, I mean, somewhere of where I'm not really showing my what guitar I'm playing. Um oh. but there's just a ton of fuzz and there's a good chance if it's like super fuzzy and and dirty that there's a good chance I'm playing my Rickenbacker. <laughs> wow, man. That's really fun. I I always respect people that uh try to make sounds with non-standard gear that's really fun and that wasn't um, accident that wasn't on purpose i just i got the ricky and i really liked it and then i found out the more dirt i poured on it the better i liked it hmm that's very interesting i love that love that you're going somewhere that a lot of rick people don't go that's really exciting kudos to you oh thank you you've earned my admiration <laughs> finally finally after all this time. <laughs> man it took so long Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm a stickler. I'm a stickler for performance, <laughs> and uh, you finally nailed it, buddy. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so you you created this podcast. You have uh, worked on various recording projects. You started playing guitar when you were 12. Uh, you had radio shows when you were a kid, and all of this. Have you ever questioned? what it is you're doing or have you ever have you ever had a moment where you're like why what am i doing what am i doing here what is what is all this i think that's um, what we do as people right yeah we're like uh huh what am i doing uh i think that's just i think that's just a person thing uh maybe not maybe some some maybe there's a listener out there right now going no i'm supremely self-confident in every move that i make but i think we as I did not know that Trump is listening to your <laughs> podcast. Well done. Oh jeez. Uh, I'm sorry, I got political. <laughs> I will not go there. Sure. I will not go there. I will not go there. I will not go there. Um anyway. <laughs> uh oh, don't say what I want to say. Anyway, okay, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, self-restraint too. Um but uh yeah, I just think that um I think that that's what most people do. They, you know, you don't just question every move you make. Like, you know, if you got to turn left to go to the, you know, the local burger place because it's over there, you're not going to question whether or not you have to turn left. But as a whole, I think it's it's probably healthy to sit back and go, hmm, mm, maybe that wasn't the right move. I think it's always a, a good thing to take a few steps back and kind of just like really check out what you're up to. And uh, make mm. make sure it, it's congruent with uh, what you feel you should be doing. So, mm. well, what is what is your goal uh, with the whole with the whole project type of thing? Yeah, yeah. What what are, what's your aim here? Well, now that and it's how do you measure that against against these struggles against success, definable success? What do you what do you call your uh, end game here? 
I don't know if there is an end game per se. I would like to be able to somehow morph this into a project that I work on every day and I'm able to, you know, kind of support myself and my family off of. I'm I have some ideas of of how that may take place. And if it doesn't, it's okay. Um the it's still the rewards have been been really nice from it just from like getting to meet cool people and and you know hear their stories and then the the best thing is when somebody um will email and be like you know what uh, thanks for doing this it it really helps you know break up the monotony of my day and i'm like that's like the best reward that anybody can hope for but as far as an end game i just kind of like to expand you know expand the community bring more people more cool people in and no dumb people. We don't want any losers coming in here. You know? oh, you're telling me losers go home. Yeah, right? losers get out of here. But uh, all you people <laughs> listening are clearly not losers. Um, and nerds too. No, we're nerds. We have we need all the nerds we can get. They absolutely are. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I just I think it keep keep kind of keep on trucking because it's 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 taken uh, many an interesting turn that I didn't see coming. I would say that yeah, the big end goal is. To try to try to be able to whether it's via tone mob or via some other avenue that presents itself, um, to be able to do uh, stuff in the gear world full time. So I shouldn't say like I don't want to just like build this up into something and then sell it to uh, Podcast One or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I that's yeah. that's not the goal. I just I want it to uh, I want it just to continue its natural progression and kind of see what happens as we go along but i would like to work in the gear world full-time at some point well you you mentioned uh expand the community what, what's your vision for that well how would you expand the community of tone knob uh so the i think that, that what i'm doing seems to be working there's people joining the mailing list every day there's people joining the facebook group following on instagram uh you know every you know every couple months it seems to take a pretty good uh pop up in uh, downloads. Um, so I think it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're, you know, you're involved in it, in the community. It's, uh, you know, I want to talk back and forth. I don't want to be some sort of weird mastermind behind the curtain of things. I just want, you know, I just want everybody to get whatever they need out of this project. Uh, whatever I can do to like help people get the sound they're trying to chase or, or just, make their workday less monotonous or whatever. Hmm. It's just, I just want it to be a source of something that makes people happy. <laughs> yeah. And the more people well, especially that with, can with so many... enjoyment from it on some level, then the better. Exactly. There's so many reasons to not have fun these days. Uh, it seems like uh, every day, you know, you can barely look anywhere without having something in your face that is just just the worst subsection of humanity doing something or, you know, another, another, uh, news story of, you know, encounters gone wrong, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, I've really come to admire people who are making it their goal to put something, if not, if not even wholly positive, something entertaining, something funny, something that can distract for a split second um, amidst all of the chaos of uh, everyday life. So I think that's a noble goal. I, I think you're doing it. I think you're accomplishing that mission accomplished. Well done. Um, in, in all this time, the 
nearly 50 episodes that you've done. What has surprised you? Uh, I have been surprised by um, a couple things. Sometimes like people's response to things, um, like just to being interviewed. I, I point to this this episode all the time because this was probably the first time where I was like, whoa, um, th- I didn't expect it to go here exactly. But uh, the episode I did with uh, Robert Keeley, uh, which was fairly early mm-hmm. on, I don't remember, in the teens somewhere, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then he just kind of, you know, in an indirect, res- you know, I asked him a question about like, about something about the company. And he said, well, that was right around the time where I was uh, addicted to pres- prescription pills. And I mm. was like, oh, you talked about that like on our phone call, um, but I didn't know we were going to actually talk about it, talk about it. So <laughs> we we, mm. we touched on that. And that was some the kind of the first time that I was like, oh, uh, this went, you know, somewhere I wasn't expecting. So that was a that was a surprise. Um, and and then just. I'm always surprised when I get an email or a message or something that was that is just like, you know, thank you for doing this. I'm like, well, that makes me because there's times where it's tough. And it's like, oh, I don't want to uh, I don't want to edit this episode yeah. today. Like, I would really rather not do this right now. I, I mean, I, I don't. Editing is is kind of, as you know, can be kind of a bummer if you're not like super into it, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, so at times that's a challenge, but then if I get an email or something like that, it's like ah, must continue. Like time to do the thing, time to do the the somewhat not fun part, so that I can continue doing all the other fun stuff um, that's involved mm. with it, which is for me talking to people about gear. <laughs> that is very fun. Mm. On the podcast or are, in other avenues too. Are you are you aware of the the uh, how do I want to put this? Are you aware of the slice of humanity that you get to interact with? Are you aware that you are you're cutting past in some ways? You're cutting past the business or the the product, the brand, all of this stuff, and you are you're making a beeline directly for the people you're interviewing. Uh and when you mention something so human and so uh raw as what Robert Keeley shared with you, do you how do you react to that? What do you do with that? I mean you you mentioned that you were you were taken aback by it. Um do you embrace that? Do you is your instinct to run away from it? Uh, because humans are messy or, you know, what, what, what is it? What, what happens in that moment? What do you say to yourself? No. And I mean, not at all. I want to like, if somebody's wanting to share something like that, then I kind of want to, I want to know more if they're, you know, if they're trying to avoid it, I feel like I pick up on that too. Like if they want to, mm-hmm. uh, we want to talk about the pedals, like that's okay too. That's, I don't want them to feel, uh, uncomfortable or pursued or anything. Um, but if somebody wants, if somebody's going to bring that up, um, when you didn't directly ask them about it, then they clearly want to talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to go like, how many pills a day were you popping raw? You know, not like that, but like, it was kind of like, well, how did that affect your company? You know, that, and how did that affect this? Did people know about it? You know, it's, people are messy. And I know that because I am a messy person in like more ways than one. Like my desk is a disaster. And also I'm a, I'm a dude. <laughs> and, and everyone, Walking around is just a person. Uh, 
regardless of if they kind of appear to be on some sort of pedestal, they, they are a person and they have cool things and, and flaws and everyone has these. And the more mm -hmm. you realize that everyone is just a person, the easier it is to just talk to people and just let them be themselves because yeah. everyone is a person. How many times can, in a row can I say that in one sentence? Everyone is a person. Uh, at least three more. Everyone's a person. Before I slam the phone down. Everyone's and walk a away. person. <laughs> That's one. Okay. I'm done. Uh, in your in your opinion, where has the tone mob absolutely succeeded? Where where have, has your greatest triumph been in in this whole tone mob thing? This experiment. This pursuit. Um. I think the most like satisfying thing is going back to like getting feedback from people who are like, this is awesome. Please keep doing this like that. That is probably the most like, like heartwarming, rewarding thing. Um, the, the other thing that I, I really like doing that I had no idea I was going to get the opportunity to do. And I, I absolutely love, love this part is helping some of these companies, um, with like business and marketing problems. I had no hmm. idea that that was a, a strength or a skill of mine until I started this. And then as it's rolled, it's just like, you know, people will be talking about a problem that they're having and it's just like, Oh no, no, you should try this or that, or no, no, you definitely don't want to do that. Uh, do this or, or my opinion is it should look like this, like working, you know, there's, I work with, I get to work with people and help them make their, you know, their companies a little more successful in a, in some ways. And uh, that is super, super fun. I love, love doing that. On that same uh, token, uh, where has the tone mob failed? Ooh, where has it failed? Um, yeah. I thought, I thought that as... So there's a lot of people that listen to guitar podcasts, but not as many as you would think. Um, mm -hmm. We all, all of us guitar podcasters talk to each other much in the same way that, or most of us, you know, mo especially the gear focused ones. Um, we, we talk to each other and we have a rough idea of what each other's numbers are and they're all really close. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, I look at, I look at some, in some ways I'm like, okay, well I got like, you know, this many thousand followers is over here and this many over here. When clearly they're not all listening to the podcast. I wish I could uh, somehow, I mean, if it's not their thing, it's not their thing. Um, I just, I feels like the, the percentage of gear nerds who actually listen to a podcast is rather small in comparison to how uh, the gear nerds who like to uh, absorb other forms of media. And so I don't think I would say I've failed at it, but it's, I haven't succeeded in a, and I'm talking about not just for my show, but for, for all of our, our gear focused shows, I'd really like it to just get a bump in the audience across the board because I, I think it's a really, um, obviously I'm biased, it's a, but it's a really valuable and interesting form of, of media. And if more guitar players knew about it, there would, it would probably be, um, better for everyone involved. So that's probably the biggest one. Is is the the listener base is is pretty good size, but it's not to where I th I think it could be uh, based on some other niches that have podcasts with 
many more listeners. So that's uh, hmm. kind of kind of my initial thought, anyway. <laughs> that's good. It's good. Good man. Um, let me ask you this. Let me let me throw this hot take out at you. Uh, what would you like to see change in the gear world? Um, that's funny that you said that because that that is that is one of the things I would like to see change. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is to get more uh more gearaholics listening to the gear podcasts. I would that would be mm. something, and that's very selfish of me, but uh, that's mm. something I would like to see change because it's it's kind of it can be a little bit like hmm when you you think about like that guy's got a ton of youtube views then it takes more involvement it, maybe i'm wrong cuz i don't watch a lot of youtube i do i do watch demos and things obviously but i usually go to youtube with a purpose and it's either to watch a specific thing uh a pedal hmm. demo or whatever it may be or to learn a specific thing so it's like i need to know how to uh tie a slip knot or something and i go click click okay there it is i now know and then i i hop off hmm. um so I realize I may be a little bit weird in that. Some people will just spend hours on YouTube, but I just see some things where it's like, they've got thousands and thousands of views. Um, why can't I get thousands and thousands of downloads? Not just me specifically, but we, we all share this frustration to some degree. Um, sure. So I would like to, yeah, I would like to see more gearheads listening to podcasts. That would be my selfish goal. <laughs> You mentioned that you watch demos. Do you do you, uh, honestly get a lot out of them? Depends. It depends on the demo. Um, some guys I really do. Uh, I really like uh, Jay Leonard Jay's demos because he's an entertaining person and because I, I like watching him play. And then I, I, I feel like he does a good job of uh, describing things. Um, a lot of guys do. It's it's It can be difficult to... Um, I will say this, um, if I see just Nick do a demo, I, I, he's a much, excuse me, a much better player than me. But if I like sit down and watch his, one of his demos, I feel like I pretty much know if I'm going to like that pedal or not for hmm. 99% sure. Um, cause he just goes through everything and some people are like, Oh, his demos are so long. I said, yeah, but I know for a fact whether I'm going to like a pedal or not based mm. on on if he on his demo and sometimes i'm like nope that's not for me i don't need to buy it now that's good um, um do you feel like there's there's such a thing as uh too much playing in a demo too much playing um yeah it depends on the pedal it can be you know if it's a super complicated pedal with many many different sounds in it then you and you want to hear them all um then it's t hard to do it too much. Uh, but if it's, you know, if it's a three knob overdrive that only has, you know, a certain amount of sounds, then yeah, you could definitely cut down the length. Hmm. Well, I, I know I often feel like there's too much talking in some videos, but what, uh, what I'm really getting at is the, uh, the temptation that a lot of demo people can't seem to resist is to, to play uh just a thousand notes all at a time um and i never end up feeling like i i can hear what the pedal's actually doing or uh you know when you're when when they just start right away with the pedal on uh for instance and you can't compare what the clean sound is like uh with you know without the effect uh that kind of thing 
Right, right. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I think that just comes down to, you know, following the demo guys that you like. Uh, I mean, sometimes mm. they just don't, the guy you like may not have that demo up, but there's probably certain ones that, that you know, you like better than others. And um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like any of the guys that are really good, um, pretty much, they, they pretty much get the point across for me. It may not work for mm. everybody, but the guys that I like, uh, I, I, I know what that pedal sounds like. So, yeah. Hmm. And there's, there's, good, there's good. several there. I mean, there's, there's lots of demo guys I like. Um, obviously we all came up on, you know, <laughs> it sounds kind of funny. We all came up listening to Andy Martin play, you know, on the PGS demos. And, uh, uh, it's oh, just yeah. kind of went from there, but, there's there's a lot of guys doing doing good work and and then there there's some guys who uh, just point their cell phone at the thing and call it a day and I don't really care for that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. So anyway, I don't know if I answered that mm. question or not, or if I just said a whole bunch of random thoughts. Now you're all good. You you you'll edit it later. You'll make yourself sound good. Fine. Um. Let's let's backpedal just a little bit, and I don't want to keep you for the entire evening. But I'm having I'm having a grand old time uh, listening to you just articulate the innermost parts of your spirit. Uh, that has been lovely. Um, well, I didn't want to look know. at the what timer. Really? I didn't realize how long it's been. Oh yeah, it's been forever. Wow, um, we are way over the time. I wonder how many people are still whoops. listening to this random nonsense that I'm spewing. You could edit out that twenty minute, twenty plus minutes that you spent talking about Master and Commander. That would be great. <laughs> uh, but I, I just, I love that show. I love that movie. It's so good. The depth and the the way they filmed it. Okay, I won't get into it again. I'll I'll stop. Mm. Russell though, mm. Russell, what a um, hunk. <laughs> he's he's a total chunk of boy. Oh, <laughs> oh that man. Oh, you ever heard his band? No, I haven't. I knew he had one, but I've never, never listened heard to him. Thirty odd foot of grunts. No, but I like that name. I forgot that's what yeah. it was called. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Etched into my memory. Can't uh, forget. Thirty odd foot of grunts. That what sounds like it's some sort of like. Uh, is it like what's he doing? Like a crust punk thing? Who what? R- Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow? Yeah, I mean that's what that. No, that's it's what, like it's like. Funky folk, bluesish rock, something. Yeah, I'll investigate later. There's acoustic guitars and ballads. Does anybody say hey? Was that? Oh no no no! I think I think this, he came before the whole hey ho craze. Oh okay. Um, started. Not that I have his record or anything, um, <laughs> but I I don't think you're gonna hear a lot of hey's and hoes, uh, at least in the <laughs> style of the day. Uh, like you will from so many mm-hmm. of our artists out there. Hey, um, oh, uh, Blake, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you this. Let me throw this one out there. Okay. I'm ready. Um, when's the last time you had a really good laugh? Oh, when's the last time? I laugh man? a lot. I laugh a lot. Uh, yeah, but like, but no, 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 no. Like, 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 uh, like a, like a laugh, like a real good hard laugh when um, is the last one of those um it's probably 
whenever the my wife it was probably like a day or two ago she sent me a, a video of my son making some really funny sounds uh and i i had a deep belly laugh <laughs> as cheesy dad uh you know cheesy dad of me that is that seriously i was like i watched on repeat like like four or five times and he was like popping a wheelie on his little batman uh like i don't know what you call these things like like a little roll around no. like thing they sit on and he was like popping wheelies yeah. and going blah and it was hilarious to me no one no one but a father would find that hilarious but i found it hilarious so that was probably the last time do you have any controversial opinions do you have any opinions that you think people might be surprised to hear that might uh, that might rub someone the wrong way do you have an opinion that's like and i'm not talking anything like seriously out there uh you know i don't know i don't know if you if you believe in uh i don't know i think donald trump's hair isn't even real it's an illusion it isn't that's controversial (laughs) i want to see a birth certificate on his hair do you think rob thomas was better without uh matchbox 20 let me tell you a little something about uh about Rob Thomas. Let me tell you. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, a few um this is the glory of the internet. Uh a few weeks oh it was about a, a little over 2 months ago at this point. Um I stumbled across a glorious photo of a uh, of a sweatshirt uh on a man uh or a t-shirt rather. And it said I'd rather <laughs> I wonder if I can quote this directly. I'd rather be listening to the Grammy award-winning song Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. And oh, I sent man. the picture to my wife, who promptly was able to Google search and find where to purchase said shirt. <gasps> and so I'm the proud owner of a gray crew neck sweatshirt that reads that exact same thing. No, you beautiful, magnificent human being. I'm 100% jealous. <laughs> It's uh, like like two months ago. I woke up on a Wednesday morning, and that song was absolutely stuck in my head. Yes, like a splinter of my brain, and I could not get it out. I actually had to sit down and listen. I, think to I had it. to listen to that song nine times the whole way through uh, for it to even begin to leave my consciousness. Uh, I I nearly lost it. Oh, I understand. That was that was horrible. Oh man, and it's not necessarily a bad song, but it's just—it's just so bubblegum. If you have the phrase "Give yeah. me your heart, make it real, or else forget about it," <laughs> over and over in your head, yeah, uh, you are going to go mad. Oh, I I agree. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a thing. Like, did you talk about that on the internet anywhere? Because it seems like I seen that first, and then I had to do the same thing. Or maybe I know when uh, I seen the sweatshirt. I, I posted a video of myself crying. I think is what happened. <laughs> Okay, uh, this, because this I was situation. beside myself. I did a lot of stuff that I wouldn't normally do. I signed up for magazines that girls were selling from down the street. Uh, you know, I went I went down to Seven Eleven and I said, "Those hot dogs that have been on that spittoon or spit roller <laughs> for ages look delicious. I'll have five of those." I I was a man without purpose and a man driven to madness by the musical stylings of Rob Thomas uh, and Carlos Santana. Um, uh, I I can so. understand. Um, it was it was a heck of a day. I got a I got a good sh- a good photo to send you of me wearing that sweatshirt. I'll send it to you later. Do you, you just text me photos of you. 
at all times. So that's fine with me. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, but back to back to back to back to back 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 to the controversial opinion. Like, do you have anything uh, in your life that you? Well, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Uh, let me give you an example, uh, and and then you'll feel safer to come out of your shell. How about this? Okay, uh, I'm ready. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. And I see uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, sir. Thank you. And I, I do not like that book nearly as much as I like the movie. I really don't, which mm. I know is super controversial. And internet will run wild with that information. Uh, I'll be ostracized for my community. I know it. And I'm okay with it. That's I just a, didn't care for that book. That's fascinating. What is it that you don't like about that book? I think mainly I know. Tom Bombadil. Oh, okay. <laughs> mainly. Oh, all right. Uh, I can't. I can't I say that. Hate I hate that guy. Yeah, Tom Bombadil's a little bit annoying. <laughs> I will give you that. Goldberry is waiting. Oh, that's what he sounds like in my head. I. I <laughs> and you could be exactly one hundred percent right. I don't. I don't have any information to say that that's not what he sounds like. That could be, but I don't know, man. I I feel like. Uh, Peter Jackson and company streamlined a bit of that book. And hey, I like long books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I oh, Man, um, East of Eden is one of my favorite books ever. Um, oh, okay. You know, I went, to, I went to school for theology originally, so I had to read uh, quite a few very long, very old books many times through. So I'm, I'm no stranger to a long book, but I don't know, man. I don't know. So that's my controversial opinion. Okay. Uh, I hope that I haven't lost any favor in your eyes, but N- no, I'm, no, I'm about being real and vulnerable with you right here, right uh, well, on this publicly broadcast uh, piece of media. <laughs> so. Well, I won't. Uh, um, I guess in that same vein, I hope I don't lose any favor with you, sir. Uh, on this, uh, no, no. This is a controversial opinion. Um. And I used to be more... Babies are overrated. Ooh, Blake, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect to hear that from you. No, actually, I found out that I quite like babies. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. I'm so jealous. Um, which I... Well, yeah, anyway. I didn't know that I liked babies <laughs> as much as I do. Babies are awesome. Um, I... Now, I have to... I have to... This is gonna... This is gonna rub people the wrong way, and I have to fully flesh out my opinion, because it's... It's somewhat multifaceted. Um, I can appreciate and and understand the significance of the Beatles, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I I must say that they're not one of my favorites to sit down and listen to. Um, hmm. I used you to, don't really like the Beatles, not is what you're saying. Not like I not especially. They're not somebody I'm like I'm just jonesing to listen to some Beatles right now. And and when I try to like sit down and really go through it, I kind of feel like I'm I'm working a little bit. Like like mm. I sh- I need to like this. I should and and, and must like this. Um, <laughs> it's not just doing it for me. And some of my favorite bands are absolutely inspired by the Beatles. Like or probably most mm-hmm. of them. I mean, it's it's they're extremely important. I just can't I can't buckle down now. Hmm. Now, back in my like punk rocker days, like when I was I was a punk rocker, I was like the Beatles, pff, they're overrated. Well, at that point, I hadn't even really <laughs> gave them a, a fair shake to like know whether what I was even talking about. I was just trying to be a 
a punk rocker and be cool. And I was really just being a moron. Um, yeah, raging against the system. Yeah, you know, the uh, the oppressive weight of uh, 1960s pop. I get it. <laughs> exactly. I hear it, man. Exactly. Uh, but like, then I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna have an opinion on something, I should really actually have a real opinion on it, not in just not just one based on the hits. Uh, the, you know, if that makes any sense. And so mm-hmm, I, I dug mm-hmm. in and I was like, okay, all right, this this makes sense. I uh, I get it now. Um, that said, uh, one of my favorite songs to jam with the band, Helter Skelter. So, mm. so um, are you uh, if you if you were to say I like Beatles, would it be like early or late term? Mm, there's there's gems I think in in the whole in the whole category. Uh, or if not you category. were forced to wake up one morning being absolutely bombarded by a song, uh, Rob Thomas style for me, <laughs> a la Smooth, um, well, which, which Beatles song would you want to be subjected to upon waking up? Uh, what do you think, you'd, uh, what do you, think tough... you would be able to stomach? It's a tough choice. It's either going to be Helter Skelter or in a completely different vein, and this might throw people for a loop, is uh, Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby is a tight, tight song, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah, that's a good good song. Um, so um, that would be one of those two. Helter Skelter is one of my favorite like... songs to play, though. I love playing that song. We also rock it, like, super hard. Like, super, sure super hard. Ag- like, way more <clears throat> aggressively than what it it should be. <laughs> well, you guys are are a bunch of tough rock boys. I I believe that. I believe it. So, so tough. Yeah, we're so tough. So tough. <laughs> yeah. So tough. I'm so tough. Ouch, that hurt. Um. Yeah. That that I I love that song. So I guess as far as controversy, yeah, that that probably be uh, that especially fits in with the uh, musical, uh, you know, kind of landscape mm. of this podcast. Yeah, I'm not a giant Beatles fan. That would be wow. It. Yep. Does not care for the Beatles. Yeah. Super ultra mega controversial. It is. I'm wondering uh, how riding many. Riding in the streets. Yeah. Cars being firebombed. <laughs> doors locked. Oh, no. I don't know. That said. going to uh, happen when this comes out. Man, if I could, if I could play a, I will say, though, if I could, like, sit down with Sir Paul and, uh, and write, a, write a tune, that would be a dream come true. So. I bet he would, I bet he would write a tune. In like two minutes. I know. It would be such a quick meeting. I know. Oh, Rod, come on in. Oh, ring-a-doo. <laughs> You're like, hi, I'm Black. Oh, good to meet you. Here's a song about you. And then you would... <laughs> there once was That's a man it. with you a podcast. You get ushered into a room and then quickly ushered out after he sang about you. Yeah, he would be like, he doesn't really like my band, but he wants to meet me anyway. <laughs> oh, he thinks he's got great taste in music, eh? Um, well, I- listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're like, no, I still don't really care for that, Sir Paul. I, I'm sorry. Well, well I. Oh, 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 he's more of an up tempo kind of guy. Okay, listen to this. Whoa. And then you're like, no, it's still not my cup of tea. I just don't like the uh, sum total of your creative output, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me kind of sad. I don't know what's. <laughs> I don't know. I'm losing my mind. Oh, that was hilarious. Uh, one more note on, on Sir Paul. Um, one of my favorite things I've ever seen was uh, 
the uh, Dave Grohl uh, Sound City uh, documentary. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that movie. Um, and one of the coolest parts of that is when, you know, he's writing. First of all, that song they did together was absolutely jammed. So uh, there's that. Mm-hmm. But when he they're they're all in there jamming together and they're like, man, man, I wish it could always be this easy. And he's like, it is. <laughs> wow. Like, OK, if you're Paul McCartney, it is always that easy, I guess. That yeah, what are you doing wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is always this easy. <laughs> You guys are losers. What's a mm. Foo Fighter anyway? Um, so uh, that's a question for another podcast. <laughs> I actually know the answer to that, but I'm sure you do too. Yes, I do actually. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's the. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, the uh, unidentified flying mm-hmm. object. Yep. Yep. Thing. Yep. The uh, pilots oh, would refer to the UFOs as Foo Fighters. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I don't know wow. why they came up with that term, but I know that that's where it came from. And now we have Dave Grohl and his wonderful band. I think I heard Dave talk about that in, in an interview back in the 90s, and I haven't thought of it since. Well, I actually <sighs> learned about that before I even listen to the Foo Fighters. I was probably like 10 years old uh, reading through these like um, I, I, I read a lot of like like I said like horror fiction. I actually belong to this uh, this subscription book club that Scholastic put on for quite a while. Oh. It was like 12 bucks a month or something and I would... Scholastic I, books were the best. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was fantastic. It was called the uh, let me let me think about this. It was called the uh, Thrills and Chills Club. Uh, and it was for like young kids and like preteens, basically, and for like nine or twelve bucks a month, something like that. Which I I like mowed lawns to get because I loved this this uh, club so much. Um, <clears throat> they they would send you like three or four books, and then like this magazine, and it was all centered around spooky stuff. And I just Ooh. loved it. And then one of them, one of the series they had was like exploring like, um kind of like modern day supernatural mystery type things like UFOs and Sasquatch and the Bermuda Triangle and things like that. And uh, they would have this little, probably like 60 page book. And one of them was all about UFOs. And that's where I first heard the term Foo Fighter. So I knew what Dave was talking about the first time I heard the band. Do you think Dave got it from a scholastic book? Do you think Dave was a member of the Scholastic Book Club? Well, no, he's much older than I am, so I'm sure he heard about it from some other source. Well, but his money spends just like yours. That's just like my nine-year-old self? Yeah. That's true. It could be... I don't... Was there an age range? Was there a limit? No, I think anybody could get it, but it was, like, done through... You know, they'd have the book fairs at school. Yeah, um, you just hang out at a school. No big deal. <laughs> it's this long-haired guy hanging out at school. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, um, I don't know. Maybe he did read the same book. I'm guessing he read a different book because this was like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what kind of books Dave reads. Maybe well, I should get him on the podcast and ask him. Well, yeah, good luck with that. I hope that works out. Uh, and I'm sure that he would love to spring for an interview with you. He seems uh, like a nice guy. I bet he would. He sure does. And then you can finally put to rest this whole Scholastic Book Club thing. Because I, <laughs> I mean, even if it's not true, I'm substituting my own reality in this case. Because the idea of Dave Grohl 
of Nirvana, of Foo Fighters, of uh, a myriad of other <laughs> projects, uh, subscribes to the Scholastic Book Club. If I could go to his house and see on the spines of each book that little red tag. Yep. Oh, my life would be so complete. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll put this out there. Uh, I would bet you, I would bet you a thousand dollars that Dave Grohl owns a scholastic book of some sort somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Go to his house. You're like, dude, you got the monster truck book. You got the Sweet. monster truck book. You got- <laughs> oh, just a second. Sorry. Hi. I'm recording. <laughs> I should have told you. Oh. Interrupting our podcast time. Oh, it is? Okay. We'll wrap it up. Who does he think he is? Taking time out of my day to talk to this guy. Oh, sorry. And he just lets in. <laughs> I thought my wife was uh, was giving my son a nap, but uh, apparently he was not napping. He, 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 he woke up and she came to see if I wanted a sandwich before the movie. Um, Whoa, yeah. Um, yes. Oh, man, now I need a sandwich. What movie are you going to see? Uh, we're going to go see The Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah, I saw a preview for that when I went and saw the last Star Trek movie, and I thought it looked pretty okay. I'm pretty excited about it. I love westerns. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What about westerns do you love? What's, your, what's, the, uh, what's the thing that attracts you to them? Uh, um, where did we... Uh, we, should, we should ask. absolutely talk about that question. Uh, but sh- where did we leave off <laughs> before the door opened? I have no idea. Okay. I don't. Maybe I'll just leave all this in. I'll chop it up in some way that makes sense. <laughs> uh, what about Westerns do I love? I think it's probably... Yeah, I I really like Westerns. And it's probably something to do with uh, growing up watching them. Uh, my dad was a big Western fan also. And so... Um, and I just kind of like the whole mythology and the, the way they look. Hmm. You know, the... You know, the I just love the idea of the Old West in the Hollywood fashion. I, I know that it's probably not even close to accurate, but I love the idea of it. <laughs> Rampant disease, unwashed people. Like, nobody yeah. was as pretty or as tough-looking, probably, as they're actually portrayed. Nobody was a Chris Pratt, let me tell you. That is a good-looking <laughs> uh, Western dude. Yes, yes. Who boy. I don't even know who else is in that movie, but I see Chris Pratt's A, d- a Denzel. Like, Gotta see it. Mm-hmm. What? Denzel's in it? Yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked. It's going to be crap. great. That seems perfect. Mm-hmm. I agree. Denzel in a Western? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Well, now I'm excited. Um, I haven't even looked at... Usually, I look up Rotten Tomatoes or something. I haven't even done so. so. You don't even want to know what other people think of this one. You want to go in cold turkey and have have your own opinion formed yeah and i'll form it rapidly you don't want to spend the whole movie going like oh i don't know if this is a six <laughs> uh, maybe solid five but like a 6.3 i who are these people yeah i mean really <laughs> well with that said uh i was i was informed on what time it is also when uh she came to check on me and um yeah i need to uh actually Unless I have time for a few more questions, uh, if you do, but I might need to wrap this thing up. 
Nah, I don't want to know anything else. I've had enough. <laughs> you know too much already. The illusion's been shattered. <laughs> hey, I'm Mr. Interviewer here. I'll say when it's over, and it's over. Uh, we're well over an hour at this point, so... Well, well over an hour. We go too much further, we're going to have to break this up into a multi-parter. Oh, man, and that'll get you close to good old 50. No, oh, we're knocking on the door. 50's, 50's close. Knocking on the door. That's crazy to think about for me. I'm not going to lie that there's 50 episodes. Are you knocking on the door or is 50 knocking on the door? I think Are you I... knocking or is 50 going, can I come in? No, I think I'm knocking. Is I'm it think... time for me yet? I think I'm like, hey, 50, 50, will you get here already? Or no, I'm, I'm waiting for 50 to knock on the door. That's what it is. Wake up! Yeah. I invited 50 to the party and I'm like, come on, man. Where you at, dude? Like, you're supposed to be always here. fashionably late, though. Yeah. Or are we talking about 50 Cent? No, I invited 50 Cent to the party. You don't don't say nothing about my boy 50 Cent. Right. (laughs) Don't you dare. No, I invited him to the party. He's not here yet. I'm wondering where 50 Cent is. Wow. Mm -hmm. Blake also controversially believes that 50 Cent is always late to parties. Wow. Well, I mean... I think I've heard enough. I don't have to explain myself. (laughs) (laughs) I've 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 been spending this whole podcast explaining myself. I'm done explaining myself. I uh, know. Well, I well, I just hope you don't have to explain yourself to Curtis. <laughs> His name, right? Yeah. yeah, Curtis Jackson. Curtis Jackson. I just googled it to make sure I was right. <laughs> Thank you, Brain, for keeping that in there. Yes. Don't know why I needed it, but it came in handy. Yep. It, today, your brain knew that one day you would need to recite the name Curtis, and uh, in this for- particular <laughs> format, so it filed it away for you. There you go. Curtis. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's 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 some foresight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, right. and on that Blake, bombshell. It's been so good talking to you, man. Uh, thanks for having me again on your lovely and glorious show. Uh, but this time as the question asker and not the ASCII or however those words work. Yes. Uh, been great. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, should I wrap this thing up in the traditional fashion then? Yeah, wrap it up in a traditional little bow and knot. All right, here we go. All right, well, for Mike, I'm Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, guys, that's it. That does it for this episode. That was by far the longest episode I've done. Hopefully you guys were able to stick with it till the end. Uh, If not, you're not listening to this right now anyway, which is... Just a dirty shame. It's a dirty shame because you're going to miss out on something I'm going to tell you. This episode is coming out the day I'm going to NAMM. So, like, here in a few hours, this is dropping, and I'll be in the air. And once I get to NAMM, Sinusoid, those wonderful, wonderful human beings who are also sponsoring this episode, so go buy some of their cables already. Why don't you have slivers on your pedal board? Ugh. Anyway... The wonderful boys at Sinusoid are throwing a Tone Mob pizza party. So, you know, look me up, shoot me an email. If you're in the Facebook group, you've probably seen it. We're doing a pizza party at 12.30 on Friday at NAMM. And if you're a cool kid, you'll be there. So be one of the cool kids. Come hang out, chat on some pizza, and I might hand out a prize to somebody. Hmm. 
All right, take care. I'll hopefully see you at NAM, or I'll talk to you next week. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.